You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christian women who are ready to write their first book, and then more, so that they can guide their readers into spiritual freedom while guiding their own families into financial freedom. I'm Nika Maples, and this is Episode 101, Choose Your Soundtrack. This episode will make you laugh and cry and laugh until you cry. My dearest friend, Becky Brooks, was a speaker at a live event I hosted, and her presentation was one that I knew would bless more than just those who were in the room that day. I had asked her to speak on the topic of relationships, and I knew it was a must to include on the Keep Writing podcast because so many of my clients come to me with concerns about relationships and about how they distract them from the work of writing their first book. Please let the Lord minister to you and to those you love today. Listen in and learn how to change your soundtrack about your relationships. I could just stand up here and bawl. <laughs> it's a sweet thing because Nika and I were put together in fifth grade. Our desks were put next to each other. It's sweet to me that our fifth grade teacher is here today. So I, I Miss Sewell mentions my family. My family of origin, there were four kids in our family, two boys, two girls. All four of us have had two boys, two girls. It just keeps getting better and rowdier, and we have a lot of fun. But when I was asking the Lord last night, God, am I missing anything? I heard so clearly, don't make it look too easy. I was like, well, God, I don't really understand that. And he said, unless you're with me. Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I don't want to act like any part of this comes from how I was raised, even though it did. Does that make sense? It is the Lord's hand on all of us. And I'm here to tell you, I actually wrote it down and left it in the car, so I'm not going to worry about it. (laughs) Um, That's the way I roll. I wrote down this. Sometimes life will put a soundtrack in your head. And it started at childhood, and there's some pain there. And I'm going to talk about some things that are going to assume that that, if that has been your struggle, some of that has been addressed. If it has not, and I'm giving you some tools that you haven't used, my brother always says, he's very pragmatic and practical, and he'll say, Mention that there is therapy out there and you are not a therapist. So I want you to know that I'm going to tell you some things about how I work to get my soundtrack right. But if you go out and you are still being hit and bombarded, because here's what I know. Either the Lord is going to choose the soundtrack in your mind or the enemy is. And so if you are find yourself, it seems to me like it most happens at stoplights. I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I'll hear, you're, you're not who you think you are. Or, or, or just a lie 
And so if you need greater help than just this, I don't want you to leave feeling bad about that. I want you to say, God, you created me for relationships. Show me the next step. Okay? So I just wanted to start right there. And then I just wanted to do this. Wanted to start with my Jesus. Goodness. It's been such a great day. I came expecting blessing, but I just love how he meets every single one of us right where we're at. Jesus says in um, Mark, when someone asks him about the greatest commandment, I'm going to move my little succulent, um, the most important of all the commandments is this, the Lord Yahweh our God is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all of your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And then the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. So I come to you, and I've already mentioned I'm not a therapist. Um, so I, I always want to start with the um, Philippians 4, where in t- verse 12, where it says, I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into God's abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Okay, so we're running with purpose towards the Lord. And first off, we just start with gratitude. God, thank you for allowing me to be in this race. And we acknowledge that gratitude changes our focus. Months ago, my oldest son and I were going through the drive-thru at Starbucks, and they got my drink wrong. And um, first off, we're sitting there in the drive-thru, and he says, didn't dad say he didn't want you? spending money at Starbucks anymore? And I said, yes. (laughs) And that's why we're paying cash. (laughs) Um, But we're going through that. We're going through the drive-thru. They get the drink wrong. And I'm like, that was $4. You know, I mean, that's why Tony has said, please don't spend $4 at Starbucks. But I said, you know, I, I, didn't, I wasn't wrong. I mean, I wasn't ugly. I just said, hey, I think you put syrup in here. I didn't want syrup. And um, the lady was so gracious. Oh, of course, you're right. Let's fix that. You know, she fixes it. And uh, while she's fixing it, my son said, I didn't like the way that you handled that. And I said, well, son, this is the service industry. You know, I mean, when you don't get, if, if your dad doesn't do his job right, people will tell him, hey, you didn't do this right, and he corrects it. That's what people do. So I'm being gracious. I'm saying, hey, it's wrong. Can we fix it? And he said, well, do you ever mention when they get it right? And that's when I said, hey, don't talk anymore. <laughs> um, But his words really did just resonate with me because I started realizing we live in a culture that really only mentions if you got it wrong, okay? And so a lot of times in relationships, we have a tendency to notice 
what's wrong. We're not necessarily acknowledging what's right. And so, as an addition to that story, I want you to know that I really have started, whenever I go through Starbucks, and it's not as often as before, (laughs) when I get a drink, I always take a drink of it, and I say, oh my word, this is so good. It's a little bit obnoxious. (laughs) And I feel dumb every time that I do it. But the people always smile and say, oh, my word, thanks. So anyways, I'm going through the drive-thru, and I realize I don't have my wallet. I don't have anything. I've already, we've already went through Sonic and used all our quarters, so I don't even have anything in the, in the change compartment. And um, so I get to the window, and I said, hey, listen, I, I, I can't get this drink today. I don't have any, any money. I left my wallet at home. And she goes, oh, take the coffee. And I said, no, I don't have any money. And she goes, no, take the coffee. And the other barista walks up behind her and goes, take the coffee. And I go, but I don't have anything to pay with it. And she goes, this makes you so happy. We always talk about you when you leave. (laughs) You are the only one that ever says, wow, this is amazing. And I'm telling you that because it stood out to me because every time I drive by that Starbucks, there are 40 cars in that line. And I think, how does a person that goes once a week stand out in that many cars? It's because of gratitude. And so I'm just wanting you to start asking the Lord because that day, When my son opened my eyes, I started realizing how few times I acknowledge when things are going right. Sometimes, I mean, used to, not so much anymore, but my husband would come home from work and I'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, huh, what what, what happened? 20 minutes late. Instead of saying, oh my word, I'm so glad you came home. Because I will be honest, sometimes I pull into our driveway and I think, I'd like to sit here a little longer. (laughs) It's not that I do not adore my family, it's just they are loud. And they have needs, constantly. And so that idea of just noticing, God, give me eyes for the things that I should be thankful for. That man comes home, because let me tell you, I would miss him with everything I had if he didn't. And so you start asking the Lord, God, show me the things that I am forgetting to say thank you for because the fact that I am breathing is really pretty incredible. And the fact that you have given me these four kids is pretty phenomenal. I want you to know that three of my four kids have broken their arms in the year of 2019. The first one, and thankfully they all happened in public places. You know, um, we were at the barber the other day, and he goes, hey, has CPS come by your house yet? And I was like, oh, my word, they could have if I was telling the same story. But thankfully they have all happened public areas when I wasn't around. So um, our first son breaks his arm. We're frustrated and we're sad. Our second son breaks two arms. We're extremely frustrated and sad as well. Our daughter breaks her arm, and we said, Oh, my word, Shelby, look how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. 
Look at that bone in there. Okay, you see this? Look, your brother's was like this. Your brother, I mean, and poor Shelby, who is our seven-year-old, has this one broken arm, and we're like, dude, that's nothing. Your brother was this, you know? So even in this, you have something to be thankful for, but we want to be asking the Lord, give us new eyes for gratitude, because here's the truth in relationships. Sometimes we are too tempted to say, you know what, I'm really not enjoying that one because of this. Instead of saying, God, why do you have them in my life? A few years ago, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but we built a house and the plumbing kept going wrong. And honestly, our plumber out of everyone was not my favorite person. And Tony said, oh my goodness, I just keep feeling like we're supposed to be doing something with this guy. Why does things keep happening? And finally, one day we said, you know what? We haven't even asked if he's a believer. What if we asked him, do you need something? Is there something we can pray for? And the day that we asked him, hey, is there something we can pray for? Is there something going on? And he told us, we've never seen him again. And I think sometimes the Lord is saying, you keep noticing what's wrong, but I'm saying, there's a reason you've backed into your neighbor four times. (laughs) Ask him if he knows me. I'm going to keep arranging things, meetings for you until you say, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Do you hear me? And so gratitude starts shaping and coloring things, and we start realizing one of my favorite lines is um, from, oh, goodness, Gary Thomas that says, marriage isn't to make us happy, but to make us holy. I just want to spread that across every relationship today, every single one. You, as you are taking hold of your purpose, and you're getting your life ordered right today, I want you to go out today with fresh eyes for the relationships that the Lord has called you to. I'm getting a little bit out of order here, but it is my firm belief that Jesus is going to teach every single one of us how to love our enemies in an intimate way. For years, I thought, you know what, I really, I mean, I can pray for ISIS. I can pray for people in Iran. And then the Lord graciously allowed me to marry Tony. And his mom was like the first person in my life who really legit didn't like me. And I was like, how is this possible? (laughs) A little arrogant, perhaps. (laughs) But here's the facts. Up until that point, everyone that I had met that I did not like I just got to say, you know what? We don't like each other. We don't have to talk. Isn't that the truth? It's not until the Lord says, come, share a table, that you have to say, oh, wait, I'm having to learn to love my enemy. And so in that relationship where she didn't like me, which sweet gift of God, She has gone to be with the Lord, and that is a sweet gift. But through that relationship, we did come to really love each other, but it took work. Now, I want to tell you that because there were several people in our life that said, you know what, she's kind of harsh. Why don't you set some boundaries? 
And we just couldn't reconcile boundaries with honor your father and mother. Well, how do we do this, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm going to put you in some relationships that will anchor you. And then you're going to go out and you're going to do battle. And you're going to be wounded. You're going to be wounded. But then I'm going to call you back. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to enable you to go out and do it again. And it is one of the sweet testaments to the Lord that when Tony's mom, well, and I'll just say this so fast. Because as my sons get older and they start having girlfriends, I've felt something rare up in me (laughs) that I'm like, Oh, I don't think it was me she didn't like. She missed her son. And this morning, Benjamin was asleep, and I went in there to wake him up, and he was laying there in bed, and he, his alarm was about to go off, so he sat up anyways, and he goes, you're standing there smiling at me. And I go, <laughs> I know I was about to wake you up, and he goes, this is creepy. <laughs> And I thought, oh my word, I go, Benjamin, you used to wake up and say, mommy, first thing. And he goes, well, I don't <laughs> anymore. And, and I just thought, you know what? When I asked the Lord, God, why does she not like me? Show what it is. What is it in me? She said, she misses Tony. And so I started realizing, oh my word, hey, Tony, things are tense between you and your mom between me and your mom, call her, not about me, just call her, just call her, make contact. I started realizing that things got better when I wrote her notes that said, hey, Tony was playing Barbies with the girls. He's phenomenal. You did this. Thank you so much. Best gift I've ever received. And I started pointing out things about him that I loved that honestly, for years, I had not wanted to give her credit for. But they came from somewhere. They came from nurturing. And so we started doing this gratitude game. And here's the thing. Gratitude laid the foundation for a strength and a friendship that endured and lasted. And so I'm asking you today, as you take your notes, ask the Lord, God, show me where I need to be thankful. Show me. All right, now here's the thing that I love about the greatest command. When Jesus says, love me with all your heart, I want to encourage you on a daily basis. I don't know what it looks like for you to be spending time with God. I teach a lot of young mothers, and one of the things that I talk to them about is get a scripture, let it anchor your heart. Let it anchor your heart. If you, you know, sometimes you're in a season where you don't have hours, you don't have 30 minutes. I hope someday it's, it's, we, we kind of talk about this in our marriage. Tony and I have days where really our communication is text. Hey, who do you got? Who do you got? Here's where I'm going. Here's where you're going. But we cannot sustain a marriage on that. So in that, there are days when you're going to be talking to the Lord just like that. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I need. I'm hoping you bless this. I'm wanting this. I'm, you know, but you cannot sustain a relationship on that. So you have to start figuring out, God, how can I get in your word? Because when Jesus says, love me with all your strength, 
with all your might. The reason that he's wanting that is because when you start to love someone, the things that are important to them become important to you. And so in order for me to know what's important to Jesus, I have to be spending time with him. And I have to be learning about him. And he starts showing me what my purpose is. My mom used to tell us when we were kids, the Lord has everything. You can't give him anything he doesn't have. But boy, do you bless his heart when you grab hold of his kids and say, come with me. I'm going to meet him. And she said, we want to be people that gather people and bring them to the Lord because that's his heart. And so I just want to ask you, well, let me read this. In Isaiah 25.1, it's one of our family's favorite scriptures. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. I want to tell you, I've asked Tony, a sweet guy, is, is so private and ordered, and then he married me, who made our whole life public. I honestly, when Leo was talking, I was like, Leo and Tony could be best friends. Um, he is very, he actually said, I was looking through the program, please take copious notes on the financial situation. Um, and I said, okay, I will. I said, and, I, and then we can talk about it. And he goes, no, I want you to take copious notes and then read over them again. And, and so we're, we're working on that. We continue to have our budget conversations. He has no problems with the budget. I tend to um, be like a Bronco. Uh, I buck up against the budget a few times. Anyways, Tony is very ordered. Um, Tony has, has always been a reactor, okay? He's a reactor. He's very, um, our family of six is made up of three extroverts and three introverts, Okay, and so the introverts walk into a room like this or walk into a restaurant and they, they want to walk straight to the table. They do not want people yelling out their name. They do not want, you know, to have attention drawn to them. We have one child, actually Benjamin, that we, were, we actually told Benjamin a couple years back in elementary, Benjamin, you cannot walk into elementary school slapping people on the rear. You know, Benjamin's, hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, I mean, he walks into every place, like, if you watch Cheers, you know, everyone calls Ben, Ben, when he walks in. I also enjoy that. Our youngest enjoys attention as well, so we walk into a restaurant, hey, but Tony has asked us to simmer it. <laughs> Do you mind simmering when we're all going in as a family? And so we are going to a restaurant, a nice restaurant, and nice restaurant to our family means you have um, wait staff. I just don't want you to think this is like an exclusive steakhouse. This is just, if we're tipping someone, we're like, this place is nice. Um, so we are at this restaurant, and I remember we're sitting, um, our, there's two kids on each side of the table, Tony's sitting down here, I'm sitting down here, and I remember thinking, oh my word, he's so cute. He really is so cute, and he has his glasses on and a, and a navy blue wool sweater, and I, there's just moments, and this is, this is where, I mean, Tony and I are so different. He's like already sitting there analyzing the prices, 
you know, not noticing our family anymore. And uh, I'm like, oh my word, honey, aren't they adorable? You know, and, and so we're already in our different worlds and we don't notice, but our, our daughter Eden has made, and, and, and this is so completely out of character. She has made a stack of about six half and halves. She's never done anything like this in her life. But all of a sudden, she goes, bam, <laughs> right on those half and halves. And it makes us sound like a gunshot, which gets everyone's attention, as you can imagine. Team introvert is already dying. Um, I don't know how this happened. Could never happen again. But every bit of that half and half went on Tony. He is covered in half and half. It's on his glasses. It's in his hair. He is a spectacle. And because Tony has always been a reactor, both of our boys go, (gasps) you know, we're waiting for it. Because what is this going to look like? Dad has already told us in family meetings, I don't enjoy in public. You know, we're, we're stretching each other. And Tony takes off those glasses, and he drives them, and he goes, hey, Eden, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and we all just kind of look at him, and, and he says, Benjamin, Benjamin actually goes, Dad, what happened? And Tony goes, what do you mean? And he goes, I mean, I just was expecting Eden, meet me at the car. You know, I mean, something, something. And, and Tony goes, here's the thing. I don't like that I'm a reactor. I don't like it. I see that it builds walls in our family. Puts fear in y'all, and I don't like seeing it in your eyes. I've been asking the Lord to change me, and he's doing it. I go back to this Isaiah 25, 1 that says, Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for imperfect faithfulness. You've done marvelous things, things planned long ago. Several different times we've been in a more public setting where someone has said, hey, have you ever seen God do a miracle? And people have talked about, well, I saw this healing, I've seen this, I've seen this. And one of our kids has raised their hand and said, one time my dad got squirted with half and half. (laughs) And he didn't do anything. He just didn't. I mean, we sat there and enjoyed dinner. And I just want you to know, as you look at what relationships look like, what are the things in your life that you have been saying, that's just me? I come by it honestly. My parents were, my, my parents were fireballs. You know, I get angry. Sue me. What are the things in your personality that you excuse that Jesus is saying there are marvelous things, things planned long ago, and you are one of them? Quit acting like this part of you gets to stay. It's blocking relationships. And I have called you to be someone who gathers, not someone who does things that block others. And so you ask God, God, where am I making excuses for myself? Oh my word, today when Sandy was talking and she said, cluttered house, cluttered mind, here's the thing, Tony doesn't like clutter. He doesn't do clutter. 
And so I have this one area in my house where I do some clutter. (laughs) And so I was just thinking about that and thinking, that's my workspace? And I've been asking the Lord here lately, God, I know that you've given me this vision, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. Today when Sandy was talking, he said, clean your desk. Clean your desk. Start there. And so we start looking around and we say, okay, God, it feels like there's some roadblocks. And then we have to ask the intimate question of, where am I the roadblock? Where am I the roadblock? God, I see these doors not opening. What is it in me? And it might be that you have to have a friend, a friend that can tell you, here's what it is. And we go back to the Proverbs where it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Because in our culture, we have a tendency to want people around us who make us feel good about ourselves. But here's the truth. Those people feel good. But we also need people in our life that can gently wound us. It's a gift from God to let people in. And so we're talking about what, just what's blocking us. I would at some point list out the fruits of the Spirit and say which ones of those are, are, are... I mean, honestly, it's a good thing to call people into your life and say, look at these fruits of the Spirit. Can you tell me the ones you see in my life? Can you tell me the ones that you don't? Our, our seven-year-old is, is very articulate, and she'll say... Um, she'll say, um, do you remember when you were asking God for self-control? That phone has been controlling you for a while now. Yikes, I don't like them being like that. But it's the truth, and we've got to start loving the truth. We say we love Jesus. He's the truth. We've got to start loving the truth even when it hurts because he created us for relationship. We always tell our boys, it used to be very hard to stand out. Now all you've got to do is put your phone down. Put your phone in your pocket, walk through church, look people in the eye. You're going to set yourself so far apart you won't even believe it. And even as adults, this just feels easier. But easier is not the way of the cross. And so we have got to get to where we put those phones up. And we realize that when, that, that, that when the enemy says, I came to steal, kill, and destroy, sometimes he uses things that can be used for good to also rob us. And so you're going to need to put some, some things down. And then I just want to remind you of this as well. I have a high-energy personality, but there are times when I'm sitting at home and I think, have I accomplished anything good for the Lord today? And the thing that I have started doing that I've made a practice is every time I have that thought, I write someone an encouraging note. I don't mean over text. I mean with a pen and a paper. Because here is the truth. If you have ever written me an encouraging note, I still have it. You just don't get those anymore. 
And I would ask you, have you ever gotten a note of encouragement and read it and said, oh, I didn't need this today? (laughs) You just haven't. Because you were created to need that encouragement. And so if the enemy has you questioning your value, go down to Walgreens, buy a 10-count of blank note cards, send those things out, and watch your influence grow. When the Lord created you for relationship, He created you to encourage to bless, and that's why we're spending time with Jesus, is because Jesus says he is the wellspring of life, and we want to be a people that speak life. And how do we speak life? Encouragement means to put courage into other people. So you look, where do you see people struggling? Where do you see, where do you see yourself having influence? And you go and you speak into it. Now, I want to remind you of this, that Jesus also said rejection is part of this package. So I don't want to act like every note I've ever sent, I get a phone call that someone says, oh my word, you're so amazing. A lot of times I don't hear anything. A lot of times, and I always, I tell this story because it stands out so huge in my mind. One day, Tony was out of town Our kids were little, and I had made plans. A friend I knew needed encouragement, and I said, you know what, I'm going to get a babysitter. And we were at that stage of young kids where having a babysitter meant you started working at 11 a.m. to leave at 6. And so I've been working all day trying to get ready to leave these kids with this um, babysitter, and um, I get a text about 30 minutes before we're supposed to leave that says, sorry, I forgot the bachelor's on tonight. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, can we, re, we, can we reschedule? You guys, oh my word, I wanted to be like, I was, my parents didn't even allow me to watch The Bachelor. Actually, it wasn't around then, I, I, any, show, any show like that, but like to be rejected by The Bachelor, yikes. Anyways. I'm telling you that story because I cried and I felt terrible and I called Tony and said, you need to, I mean, we have a code that we send if it's an emergency. And he was like, what's an emergency? And I was like, I'm sad. <laughs> Which Leo, that he doesn't receive calls like that real well. Um, but he said, okay, tell me, tell me what's happening real quick. And I told him and he goes, Becky, I, I guarantee you there are at least five people who would love to have dinner with you. Quit thinking about the rejection. Just call someone else. Don't cancel a babysitter. Call someone else. And I called someone and I said, hey, I got a babysitter. I'm, I just want to go have dinner. Oh, where? I'll meet you there. <laughs> and so I just want you to know rejection doesn't mean shut it down. Rejection means who else needs this? Who else needs this? Because here is what I know. Jesus created you with purpose. Jesus created you with a message. Jesus created you with the ability to speak life into people. And if someone would rather watch The Bachelor than hang out with you, someone else is waiting for what you have. And so as you talk to people around you, because rejection stings. And rejection has the ability to mark people in a way that's hard to see. 
And so we tell people who are sitting there with broken hearts. Jesus said we could expect this. But he's overcome the world. We're going to grieve this. And then we're going to move on. Because someone else needs what you have. Someone else needs what you have. And then I want to just remind you in relationships that it's going to take practice. Practice. Okay? It is, it's, it's the, I, it would be so nice. It would be such a fabulous advertisement for the Lord if we accepted him and all of a sudden everything was rosy. But it's just not like that. And so one of the things that we realized a few years back when our neighbor kept calling and being like, your boys are fighting in the street again, um, we started realizing that we have these two boys and they're fantastic at athletics because we're spending five and six hours a week practicing athletics, but they're not necessarily the best brothers. And so we started saying, you know what, we've got to make some changes because athletics, there's a good chance that's going to end for them. It's going to end right here. But they're going to be brothers until they meet Jesus. And so we started saying, you know what, you guys, you're so awesome. We're going to have brother practice. What? What does brother practice? Well, brother practice means you two are going to play a board game together. What? No. Yes. You are. Brother practice is you two are going to go out and all those leaves that your dad and I used to rake, that's on y'all now. You practice being brothers. You talk to each other. You know, and we started just doing things where they're practicing being brothers. It did not bear immediate fruit. <laughs> I, just, I just need to tell you that because sometimes I think we think if the Lord has asked us to do something and we're doing something faithfully, that immediately we're going to be like, oh my goodness, the Lord is so sweet. Look at them being best friends. But I will tell you, Peyton, who is a junior at Birdville High School, and Benjamin is a freshman. When Benjamin broke both of his arms, his brother knew how to be a brother. And it showed us something that we planted, the Lord planted, that we had started fostering and trying to protect it. You know, when you're trying to grow something, you protect it. You put a fence around it. You don't let the dog in. You know, I mean, there have been times where we've had to say, hey, I know that so-and-so is your best friend at school, but when they come over, they're mean to your brother, and, and you're mean to your brother. So we're building a fence, and so-and-so doesn't get to be around this right now. We're protecting this relationship. And, and when life got so intense and so crazy that all of a sudden I started realizing I'm not ever seeing Nika I called Nika and I was like, Nika, you speak life into me and I'm dying. When can we meet? And because she's so gracious, she said, when can you meet? And I said, maybe five in the morning. <laughs> and we do that. We do it. We meet at five in the morning, not every day. And sometimes I get the days wrong and I call her and I say, why aren't you here? And she says, because it's the wrong day. But she comes anyways. <laughs> 
But when you get a relationship, you build a fence around it and you start trying to protect it. And you say, Lord, these are the people that I want to build a fence around. And you need to let the people know I'm building a fence around this. You need to have a person. And and if you're married, you want your spouse to certainly be one of those relationships. But I'm telling you that even outside of that, you need to have people that you can say, hey, I've told Tony, there's a list in the top of my dresser that if anything happens to me, these are the people that have full access to our kids. Here's a list of people who will think they have full access. Watch them. You know, but we build these walls around relationships and we ask the Lord, God, would you bless what we're growing here? And we realize that sometimes it takes practice. My mother-in-law, had we met, we would have met and left each other and never talked again. But we had a mutual love in common. We had Tony in common. We also had Jesus in common. And that was enough for us to build a fence around it and say, we're going to figure this out. I'll tell you, I was asked to come over and speak at another church on in-laws relationships. And I was, I was going over all these notes and I had written really big at the top, remember, you are not the hero of this story. Because it's real easy to tell stories in a way that make you always sound like the hero. And I just was sitting there thinking on that, and I said, Lord, is there anything else that you want me to tell these people? I feel like, I mean, my in-laws have been with the Lord now for, for, for nearly four years. So I feel like I've kind of exhausted looking through all this. But God, I just want to sit here. If there's anything you want to speak into that relationship, I want to hear it. And I just sat there in our living room, looking around, listening. And all of a sudden, I started noticing, here's a picture of me and Tony with my family. Here's a picture of us with my parents. Here's a picture of us with my brothers. Here's a picture of us with my sisters. There's no picture of Tony's family in this living room. It looks like Tony's life started when he met me. And I didn't acknowledge Tony's life started when he was born. Tony is who he is. And Tony's never said a word about that. But I all of a sudden went, and I went right over to our wedding book. I pulled out a picture of that because no one looks at the wedding book anyways. And I put it in a frame. And I said, God... James and Geraldine have been with you a long time. And I wonder how many times it bothered them. They were in my home and it didn't look like they existed. But would show them they exist. Gosh, I'm so thankful for them. And I put that picture up. And Leo, because Tony's like you, he walked in that night and he goes, My family. Because he's a details guy. And he said, thanks for putting that up. Man, I miss my parents. And then he just kept walking. 
because he's not going to emote a lot about it. (laughs) But I'm asking you today, would you ask the Lord, God, I feel like I've done everything. Is there something I'm not noticing in this relationship? Because Jesus is a bridge builder. And so if there's people that you're struggling to connect with in your life, he wants to help you. And I would tell you that some of the people that are the hardest to connect with, it's because the Lord has something to teach you and the enemy knows it. And so he is going to put an obstacle in front of every good thing. And I think so often because we are Americans and because we are raised in a culture that says, hey, if it's safe and easy, that's God's way. And the Lord says, no, 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 that's not my way. Sometimes things are hard and they make you cry and they change your heart in the process. And you are going to learn to love me in all of these things. And so you ask the Lord for insight. And then I need you to also do this. Would you remember that some parts of this are supposed to be fun? Some parts of this are supposed to be fun. Life can sometimes feel like such a grind. Sometimes, I mean, we have kids. um, We're really working on, can you throw up in the toilet? (laughs) Is 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 it too much to ask? You know, but right now, I mean, the boys are, are, the boys are getting it. But the other day when one of our kids walked in and they were like, I feel, oh, I won't demonstrate for you. I told Tony and I said, I, I looked over at him and I was like, isn't this the life you always dreamed of? <laughs> and he said, no, not, not at all. But we both started to laugh because here's the thing. It actually is the life we dreamed of. It so rarely looks like what you think. We dream of healthy and happy relationships, and I'm telling you that healthy and happy comes after hard and struggle and people hurting my feelings. But Jesus is a bridge builder. And he says to you, I have life abundant. And if you will spend time with me, I'm going to show you how to speak that abundant life over the people in your life. And then because he's good, he also says, and sometimes I'm just going to ask you not to speak. One of our boys got in the car the other night after a decent performance. But sometimes it's easy to see what's wrong instead of what's right. And he got in the car and said, that was a terrible game. And I started to say, you're right. And then I said, you know what? It was a great game. It was a great game. I know you don't feel like it was a great game for you. It was a great game. And you remember two months ago when you wondered if your arms would ever work again? Oh my goodness, they work so good. And we wondered if you'd ever run like that again, and you do it. Was your shot off tonight? Sure. But my goodness, I love your heart out there. You never stopped. And I think sometimes in relationships, we've had our heart broken or we've had a struggle, and we just think, that was a terrible game. It's terrible. 
And the Lord says, my goodness, I know what you're talking about, but I love your heart. And you never stopped. Jesus, the giver of life, is wanting to speak it over you again today. Would you receive his words? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of relationships, for the fact that you called us to community, God, and you said you said two are better than one. And so, Lord, as we look at our relationships today, would you be magnified in each of us? Would you use your spirit, Father, to bring convictions, to show us what are the things that, that, that you're longing to change in us? And God, would you speak life over your children here today? Be magnified in this room. And we all, may our lives look different because we've been here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What did I tell you? Becky has a God-given gift of communication that can bring out the best kind of emotions. I would confidently invite her to speak at any event I was hosting. I'm so thankful to have a friend like her. And it's just a bonus that we work together to write her first book. Yes, Becky is one of my coaching clients. The book she created is straight from God's heart to mothers of any age in any stage. Please grab a copy of Navigating Motherhood by Becky Brooks on Amazon. And while you're at it, get one for a friend. Has this podcast been a blessing to you? I'm so grateful when listeners write a quick review of the Keep Writing Podcast. When you do, it improves visibility of this show, bumping it into the feeds of the people who haven't discovered it yet. And it's an easy way of helping me spread the good news to other Christian women who are ready to write books for God's glory. Jenny Lee C. says, Don't miss out on this powerful podcast for the Christian writer. Nika Maples is a teacher, a writer, a life coach, a preacher, a thought leader, and a wonderful sister in Christ. If you have a book or assignment from the Lord to write, I urge you to listen to the word and to the wisdom of someone who represents mentorship in the church, life, and business. Thank you, Jenny. Everyone else, will you please consider helping me in this simple way? Writing a review is an easy gesture that will only take a few seconds, but will have a powerful impact in my ministry. So please stop, leave a review, and tell new people what they can expect when they subscribe to the Keep Writing Podcast. God bless you.